Welcome to the Best of MBS podcast, a collection of the best interviews hosted by Michael Bungay-Stanier, best-selling author of The Coaching Habit and How to Begin. Today's interview is from The Coaching Habit podcast. Here's your host, MBS. We are talking to Aisha Bursal. She is co-founder and creative director of Bursal and Sec. And this is an award-winning design and innovation studio who work with all sorts of big name companies from Herman Miller to GE to Ikea to Toyota and others. Now, as many of you know, I was lucky enough to be part of the Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches experience. And I was not quite sure what was going to, what was going to show up by being part of that. Here's what shows up just hanging out and meeting other awesome people. Marshall is a brilliant curator of interesting, smart people. And Aisha is one of those people I got to meet at the Marshall Goldsmith 100 Project. So as well as being a designer, she is the author and creator of Design the Life You Love, both a book and a program. Aisha comes from Turkey, from Izmir in Turkey, and came to the US in 1986 on a Fulbright scholarship. And since then has been based in New York with her partner, her husband, and her design partner, uh, Bibi Sek. She has been identified by Fast Company as one of the world's most creative people. She's on the Thinkers 50 radar as one of the people who are going to change organizations. She's a Marshall Goldsmith person, of course, and she's won a number of design awards as well. So this is an accomplished, smart, cool woman. And I'm really happy to introduce her to you. So Aisha, thank you for being here. Michael, thank you. You know, just that introduction was worth every minute. <laughs> just keep keep on talking, okay? <laughs> I will do that. Now you've got a you've got such a fascinating background with the design work you've done, and you've gone from designing a product to just helping people design their lives with your book and your coursework. But that's the past, or at least part of the past. I'm curious to know what you're up to right now. You know, at Box of Crayons, we do talk about how do you help people do more great work work that has more impact, work that has more meaning. So what is your great work these days? My work these days uh, has been and continues to be transforming people's lives through design, whether it's mm. designing products for them or helping them design their lives, their work, and yeah, everything through the lens of design. I love that. So I kind of understand what you mean by that through the lens of design, but I don't fully tell. So tell me more. You know, what what does the lens of design bring to the experience of designing product or designing life? So I've learned over time. I didn't know this when I started uh, becoming a designer, but I've learned that designers think differently. Mm. And uh, first of all, they're optimists. And so we think positively and we believe that no matter how hard the problem we're going to come up with a better solution. And I thought everybody thought like that, but I've learned oh, I love that. that not everybody is an optimist. Right. And so, um, and in a funny way, you know, I come from a family of lawyers mm. and actually they're on the other end of the scale. They, their right. role is imagining the worst possible scenario. So they're total pessimists. Right. And by choosing design, I've was lucky enough to choose optimism. Oh, <laughs> that's such a great balance. Cause you know, I did a law degree and was saved from becoming an unhappy and not very good lawyer because of the way my life panned out. But I love that framing, which is, you know, you can, the role of a lawyer is to be a pessimist, but the role of a designer is to say, whatever we're up against, there's a solution we can find for this. Yes. So, and then it also 
continues to like empathy uh, is a big piece of our thinking as well. We really want to put ourselves in other people's shoes and feel their pain so that we can truly think of how we could take away that pain or mm. come up with something more pleasant. We also, we think holistically. So we, we see the big picture. And I talk about this in terms of like understanding the emotion, the intellect, the physical and the spirit of things. And then understanding that and then coming up with like when we're solving a problem, thinking about, so have we addressed the emotion? Have we addressed the physical? Have we addressed like, is it comfortable? Does it make you happy? And is it sustainable? You know, if that's the spirit of it mm. and is it innovative? That's the intellect of it. So it that holistic thinking gives us a structure for how we think. Oh gosh, there's so many good things going on in this conversation and we're like two minutes into it, but <laughs> even just that, that insight around innovation, you know, doing things differently is the intellect of design, but that's not the wholeness of design. It's not enough just to be different for the sake of difference. You have to answer the other needs that are present there as well. Yes. So, Absolutely. And then maybe if I could add one more thing is... Yeah, of course. This I've seen change over time. Uh, when I first started design, design was more of a kind of one person's job. The, the idea of star designer was really like what people were drawn to. That was the measure of success. But in the last 30 years, design has become incredibly collaborative. So it's building on each other's expertise and in working with multidisciplinary people. And that's part of the joy of, of design now is that you get to work with other people who know a lot of things in different fields and you, you know, the designer helps curate that information and connects the dots. Um, so that, that really makes what we do interesting and, and exciting because every day there's an opportunity to learn something new. Wonderful. Huh. I think I'm, I think I want to rechristen my job as a designer because I want all of that. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> that looks very cool. So Aisha, you talk about, you mentioned that, you know, you're, you come from a family of lawyers and I'm always curious as the path that people have taken to end up where they are at the moment, you know, making an impact in the world, making a dent in this world, viewing it from a place of holisticness and optimism and collaboration and all of that good stuff that you're talking about and empathy. And I'm just conscious of this idea of these kind of crossroad moments, these moments where you've come to a moment, a situation, you could have gone this way, you could have gone that way, you chose a certain way, and it kind of made all the difference. So as you think about your path to get you to where you are today, what have been your crossroad moments? So I think I have two very clear crossroad moments mm. and um, kind of taking maybe the road less traveled. One is, as we talked about in the beginning, you know, choosing not to go into the family business right. uh, and falling in love with the human scale of design. And if we have time, I want to tell you a little um, anecdote about that. Oh, please. Yeah. So I was this young girl, I think I was like 15 or 16, and a family friend came to tea and talked to me about industrial design. And he said, have you heard about industrial design? And I had never heard you know, those words together before. And I said, no. And he said, look, and we were drinking tea. So he used a teacup and he said, you see this teacup? Somebody has designed the teacup. Mm -hmm. And you see how the edge 
of the cup is curved, it's so that it can fit in our lips better. And um, it has a handle so that you don't, you don't burn yourself with the hot liquid. And um, the saucer is there so that if you kind of spill your tea, you won't ruin your mom's tablecloth. Right. And that was such a beautiful kind of description of what design is. And I totally fell in love with the human scale of design, that it is connected to people in a in a very human scale that it's something you can hold you can touch and you can bring to your mouth and you know it also like yeah here's how you can avoid the spillage and and that's when i decided to become that was a turning point for me that's so good. and i told my parents i want <laughs> to become an industrial designer and they were like what's that <laughs> yeah we are, we're never inviting that family friend around for tea again he causes <laughs> nothing but trouble Exactly, exactly. That's a great story. And what a wonderful reminder to all of us that how what might even feel like a casual throwaway comment from us can absolutely change a person's life when you give them a new insight and a new path forward like that. I mean, are you still in touch with this family friend? Does he know the impact of that story that he had on your life? You know, I've tried to get in touch with him and I haven't been able to, but he's an urban designer, now retired, living in Turkey. And right. one of these days, I'm hoping that he'll hear, you know, our podcast or one That's of these great. conversations because I, I give him credit for changing my life. And I keep inviting people to tea. Now I have kids, you know, yeah. uh, who are 13 and 14. And I, I hope, you know, somebody will come to tea at our house like that and we'll connect them with a passion that's wonderful so that's a great story but you said you had a second story as well yeah so the second story is kind of less happy more dramatic but mm -hmm. uh, it's really the 2008 um, when the economy crashed that was a turning point because Bibi and I were partners in life and at work um, we had started our company. We had had our children together, our you know our best products. So things were ve going very well. We had amazing clients, and we were working like crazy, raising our family, and things seemed to be going so well. And I would have never thought that we'd be affected by the economy like this. Right. And and you know when Bibi and I had fallen in love, the idea of having our partnership was a very romantic idea and we were like oh we we're going to live together and work together and what we didn't think about at the time was that we were also putting all our eggs in one right, basket right uh, <laughs> you know uh, bb was you know before he met me he was a car designer for renault he had designed four award-winning automobiles for them and so when the economy crashed, I felt very responsible for like uprooting him from his life in Paris, his great job. And, and it was like, we need that paycheck now. <laughs> you know, the, the, <laughs> so that, that was a, a big turning point. And um, what happened is I found myself with a lot of time in my hands and I wasn't used to that. That was really frustrating to me. And it was not until, again, this time, one of my oldest friends, um, Leah Kaplan, she came to my rescue and she, she you know, knew me very well and she could see how frustrated I was. And she said, look, Aisha, you do have a lot of time in your hands. Why don't you use that time to think about how you think? Because you think differently. Beautiful. And that made a whole world of difference because I thought, first of all, 
at least one person still believes that I think differently, right? Um, which is my understanding of what designers do. She gave me confidence. And then I started thinking about how I think, which, which is a very interesting exercise for anyone who's interested to think about like what happens, what goes through your mind. And for me, how do I go from what I know today to imagining these new ideas, products and services? And, right. and out of that, I was able to develop my own process, deconstruction, reconstruction, yeah. which then um, changed my life again. So it's interesting, isn't it? Now you hinted at it, but did BB go back and, and take a job or did you decide to carry on the design partnership as you did through those tough kind of economic crash years? He decided to carry on and we continued our um, practice, Birsal Plus Sec. Yeah. And the funny thing is, in this case, BB was the true optimist. He right. He thought, you know, we're going to get through this. I was the the worrying partner. And so, um, but I'm glad we got through it and that we were working together. So part of what you're pointing to in the journey is, you know, understanding how you think, how you, you think yourself. So taking that meta knowledge. And I'm a big believer, or at least this is maybe just me projecting that, you know, as I get older and maybe a tad wiser as I move through life, it seems to me that I'm not trying to learn every lesson, but I'm actually trying to learn a few lessons over and over and over and over again, because it's the same patterns that trip me up. It's the same things, just in <laughs> slightly different situations, maybe in a slightly more subtle version, but it's the same stuff. I'm still working on my same stuff. You too? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm curious to know, as you reflect on your journey, because I'm always interested to know kind of the scars and the calluses people have picked up on the way. You know, what's a hard lesson you've had to learn or maybe you keep having to learn in the work that you do? Oh, I love that question. The lesson that I keep learning again and again, and sometimes it feels like every morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is you have to work at it. Right. I always wish something came easy. <laughs> and, but it you just have to like sit at your desk and do the work and think it through. And there are no like these... There are magical moments, but they come at the end of a lot of work. Right. And again, again, I wake up, I go to my desk, I open my sketchbook and I look at it and I fear. I'm like, what am I going to think today? And and it really is. I don't know. You think it comes, it becomes easier, but mm. every time it's like, OK, empty page, where do right. I start? And then once I start drawing or writing or something, once the pen hits the paper, I feel better. And, you know, the work starts, work starts basically. Yeah. I love that. It's a beautiful, yeah. it's a beautiful call to show up at the start of every day going, you know, it's, it's once again, you got to do the work. Yes. And it, it's in doing the work that the ideas come. Right. But I always think, like you always think that for other people, the idea just drops on their lap exactly. or something happens, you know, you, you know, and I'm like, I want to be that person. And I know <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> and yet. <laughs> I, I wish I got that call. Like somebody right. called me without me calling them. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a variation on that, which is this trying to learn that nothing's going to be the breakthrough moment. Cause you know, like, it's yeah. like as soon as I do my Ted talk, or as soon as I get this recognition, or as soon as I sell a, you know, write a book that sells more than X thousand copies, when that happens, it's going to get really easy because I'm going to be at that next level. And I'm like, 
turns out that that next level is pretty much the same as the current level. <laughs> it's just as hard, it's just as difficult, you've got other mountains to climb. And it's a similar, it's a variation on that same insight that you just shared. Exactly. We're, my thoughts um, every morning. And, um, you know, but I've gotten used to that. That's my morning mood. And um, and actually, I I try to have this regular habit of like, just open your sketchbook. And then my other trick is I put on Pomodoro, this app that sets the timer for 25 minutes. And right. I try and concentrate on one thing for 25 minutes. And that does make a difference. I love it. Yeah. Actually, one of the, um, you know, you, you've talked about how you figured out how you think about thinking and, you know, you built the deconstruction, reconstruction process from that. You've written this book, Design the Life That You Love, and you have a program around that. So you've helped people process and move things through their life. I mean, you may not consider yourself exactly a coach in the traditional way, but certainly the work you put out into that world is being coach-like. Yes. I'm curious to know if there's a favorite tool or a process or a model that you have that you find yourself using or recommending or working with people more than others? You know, one that you're like, this is an old favorite of mine. First of all, I would say having a process to share and to guide people with has become my favorite thing because through it, I've learned that people are actually extraordinarily creative, Right. but they do need a process. Hmm. Uh, so I've worked with so many people from so many different backgrounds and the ages and disciplines. And as soon as we give them a process and walk them through the process and show them, let them learn the process by doing it. It's like a miracle every time what it does to people and how it helps them think creatively with great imagination and also optimism and, and playfully. Yeah. And so the process is definitely a key piece of it. And, um, and to, to show, you know, to demonstrate to people how creative they can be because there is a lot of kind of reticence about creativity for some reason mm. you know as kids we're super creative look at any child who's like four five six years old yeah and then it's almost like the education process kills our creativity right right and to give that back to people and say you know you still have it yeah but you just need a tool for it and here's here's my tool here's yeah. my process i love it yeah it's beautiful. It's a great insight because in some ways you can get overly hung up on tools. It's like, here's the tool you need to use now. But in some ways it's like, no, what's amazing is know that you need a tool and pick a tool and try it out and see where it takes you. It doesn't, it almost doesn't matter which one you use. There's a bunch of good ones out there in the world, but have a process, try something out to make progress on whatever the journey is that you're walking. Absolutely. Okay. It's been wonderful to talk to you. You are the co-founder and creative director of Versal Plus Sec. You've got the book, Design the Life You Love, out there in the world. So there's going to be a bunch of people wanting to know how to connect with you and find out more. Point them to a place on the internet or wherever that they can find out more about you and the work that you do. Oh, wonderful. I would love to be connected with your listeners. So they can reach me at, well, my email. Okay. It's a long one. A-Y-S-E at Versal, like my last name, mm -hmm. B. I-R-S-E-L plus P-L-U-S S-E-C-K dot com. So it's Bersel, which is my last name, plus written out, and then Sec, which is BB's last name. Perfect. So Aisha at Bersel plus Sec dot com. 
Great. Yes. And I'm assuming that means bursalplussec.com is the website that, where you got your work is featured? That's the website where my work is featured. And then um, and Twitter is Sec. Perfect. My Twitter handle. That's another good place. A-Y-S-E-B-I-R-S-E-L-S-E-C-K. Aisha, this is awesome. I love talking to you. You know that. But thank you for talking to me whilst we get to record it and uh, share the podcast and your wisdom with the world. Michael, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. We hope you enjoyed this Best of MBS interview. Want more great content? Head to mbs.works. There you'll find MBS's new podcast, Two Pages. You can learn about his best-selling books, and you can join the newsletter. That's mbs.works.